so thank you for coming. Um, today we're going to have a little bit of a chat about the building and the garden. Um, so as you know, the pavilion is the second pavilion um, created by the Naomi Milgram Foundation. Um, and the idea was to build um, a temporary pavilion in these gardens, the Queen Victoria Gardens, uh, every year for four years. And then at the end of those four years, the pavilion is uh, donated to the city or gifted to the city and then relocated. Um, so the architect has the challenge not only of building something which is temporary, um, but also permanent and can be demounted. And of course, then the challenge for the builder um, is to build it. So Tony is a company, uh, Kane Construction, built uh, the pavilion. So Tony, what was the, what was the hardest thing? Um, I think the hardest thing, was, I guess, was really... Can we ever can we hear? Yeah, Come in closer. <laughs> it's an intimate salon. <laughs> I think on this one, the hardest thing was resolving the design, getting it to a stage where we could build it and then this one, this one was um, intentionally innovative materials and stuff that certainly we'd never done before and probably that a lot of other people hadn't done before and stretched it and the architect didn't quite know what, how to do it. They knew what they, uh, Amanda knew what she wanted so, so we went out and had to find people that were interested in doing it and we had a few false starts for a couple of months talking to different people who would who, who we thought should have been able to do it or they thought they could do it and turned out they couldn't and then we once we settled on someone that that resolved the big question of who would make everything above ground level and, and, and then um, we worked with, with them and developed a solution. What is this roof made of? The black is, is carbon fibre so it's it's carbon strands or fibres um, Set, set in resin, so the, so, the, so the clear is the clear is resin, the same as what you use with swimming uh, with um, surfboards, and 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 the black fibres the black fibres are just laid in it. So it's just it's all clear resin. It, it's got clear fibre glass glass fibres in the clear area or the opaque area. So it's, it's just straight, really, pretty much fiberglass. And I, I think and the black the black ribs are carbon fibre in black resin. And so I suppose the difference in the first architect was a fellow called Sean Godsell. And so he was really using, to some extent, technology or, or, or designs that he had perfected over many years, um, which was using um, steel and um, an alum, perforated aluminium, and then had hydraulic arms, which the walls of the building all opened up. This one, Amanda, who did this design, really did want to sort of try something new. And so her concept was for a, um, a canopy or, or you know, a man-made canopy like a tree canopy. And so she then wanted to, so she wanted to then think about how she could make something which was very thin. So these are like four mil thick yeah, resin cool. petals. Um, and when she was here the first time, we went to see a, an engineering company called Arup, who are a, a major international engineering company and they talked to Kane and came up with, found a company in uh, Brisbane, Brisbane yep. who did a lot of work in, uh, uh, sort of working with artists but also working in, in shipbuilding. So, and so that's why they were good with resins. They were also good with wind or thinking about how they can make things. I'm wondering how it's, because if you could imagine big wind. 
Yeah, it's bolted. So underneath this, we've got a grid of concrete footings that we put in for the Sean Godsell Pavilion. And, and they were putting there, and then we said to the designers, whatever shape you make it, it's got to, it's got to fit there. So, so, so the set out of this was was turned around on an angle to the to the Godsell one and, and that. But but in most cases, we we land on those footings with these columns, and then the ones on the on the perimeter. Uh, uh, beyond that area, and we've got um, steel screw piles in that we remove at the end of this, so they can be un unscrewed and taken away just for the perimeter. And then there's a steel frame which supports the well, does it, I suppose it's sort of that, that's what the wooden flooring yeah, sits yeah, on. Yeah, so the wooden framing and these columns actually land on on a steel grid that, that, that's in this orientation, and then the, then there's little stub columns from the steel down onto the concrete floor. So there's one, two, three, four layers below this, and then that, which is pretty handy because then all the services. Yes, no, we so sort of cheat. Well, we dig it. We dig this out, move the dirt from here, take it away, put this in, and then bring the dirt around. It sort of works quite well with the to sort of make. Because there's really quite. Service. There was almost like a metre fall, wasn't there, in the land? There's from here. Yes, yeah, it's about. It is, it's about a metre, a bit over a metre. And the idea was that this was a platform, so this is. I'm not allowed to say compromised. I did that, use that because I went yesterday and I got accused. I'm not allowed to compromise, but it's really cut and fill. So we're digging in a bit at this end, and then when we take this out and um, in February we put it back, and it's just an even grade across the site when the grass gets reinstated. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of work underneath to make it look effortless above. <laughs> and, um, one of the things which is quite nice, uh, uh, some of you may know that the, the reason that the, the pavilion is here, twofold, um, Naomi was very keen to put something within the South Bank Arts Precinct, so opposite the Art Gallery, opposite the, um, um, uh, the National Gallery, close to Federation Square and uh, Melbourne Recital Centre, etc. But also these gardens uh, were particularly interesting to her because in the late 80s and early 90s, the director of the then um, Melbourne Festival, a fellow called John Truscott, had did a project called Botanica, which was much loved by Melbourne. And it was a project that John worked with on with Paul when Paul was younger. Not younger. <laughs> um, so do you want to talk a little bit really about the, Botanica? The late 80s. <laughs> well, Botanica was part of the Melbourne Festival, like you said, and John Truscott came to me when I was a baby and said uh, we want to show horticultural as an art form and we'd had the, the, the garden show in the, in, the, in the Carlton Gardens for quite a long time but that was more a product driven show. He wanted to actually show beautiful horticulture and how you could use it as an art form. So we uh, set up a botanica just past the palms, between the palms and St Kilda Road and we had to put it on scaffolding. In those days we weren't allowed to touch the grass. The grass was sacrosanct so we didn't touch the grass. We created this great big level platform and we did that for five botanicas in a row. We, and we had all different types of gardens over a five year period that was linked back into the festival. So how wide were the gardens? They, they were like they were like 30 or 40 meters wide. So they really they started they started on the footpath and went right back to the farm. So we, we took in all that space. Mm. So they were quite big. It was huge, and it was a big sort of bumpy exercise, huge exercise yeah. to get them in. And so one of and and one of the things with that was because these gardens were made as a memorial to Queen Victoria, it, it, they were sort of created under an act of Parliament. 
So the Act of Parliament said that there could never be anything built on the site. So that's so so Truscott had to get an Act of Parliament. Yeah, you had to get two Acts of Parliament. Two Acts of Parliament. One to put Botanica here and one to charge admission to push the ah. people. You weren't allowed to charge admission on this on this site, so we had to get two Acts of Parliament. So we didn't make life quite as difficult. We only no, got an Act of Parliament to say that we could put it here temporarily and we have a lease on the land for four years to be able to put something up. And I think it's quite nice because it says that it's a, a building that has a, a cultural role and contributes to the cultural life of Melbourne. But then of course, one of the challenges for um, Tony is that we only have six months to build it and it's up for four months. Or, no, sorry, we have six months on the site. So it's up for four and a bit months and you have to take it down and put it up in, in the rest of the time. Yeah, so Do we know where it's going this time or is that still a surprise? Uh, it's probably going to go down to the bottom of uh, the uh, Collins Street, so down near the ANZ building, yeah, okay. into a park down there. Okay, so because it's called Longevity, these... Yeah. Look, so Let's hope. Okay. <laughs> Let's hope. Oh yes, yeah, sorry. Yes. <laughs> Lifetime. I like the flowers. Oh, that's crazy. And they die and you have to replant them. No, they survive. They survive. They're perennials. They survive through. With attention. We'll move them with it then. So, yeah, so that's one of the challenges. We have one each. Well, we did ask someone came, when a council came to us, St Kilda indeed said, what were we doing with it or could we have an art, could we have it? And we said no, because it's been given to the city of Melbourne. Um, and they said, oh, well, would they build another one? And the architect wasn't interested. No. <laughs> She'd done it once. She doesn't do things twice. Yeah. Um, but yes, for an architect, I suppose that is that, you know, being able to almost, everything almost has to be done in kit form. The other thing with this one is that because the petals were made in Brisbane, they then had to be transported. And so the big petals are like five metres across. So to get them here, that's, they had to be made in three parts. The small, the single ones were small enough to go onto a truck, but the, the large ones couldn't go on a truck. And I suppose the only other way would have been helicopters, and we didn't have the money for <laughs> the that. The budget was running out. The budget was running out, and so they were. So the frame then, then they're glued together. Um, but yeah, there's a film. You, I don't know if we've got it online, but there's you could they they made a mould, and then basically they stretched like what looked like string, but it's a string of carbon fibre, and so they stretch it almost like weaving, and then it sets in the resin, so that gives it its strength. No, it's not. It's a, no, it's a, it's a, it's a fibre, not a metal. Um, so it won't rust. And it's set in. It does make other things rust. Yeah, and it's yeah. And, and it's, it, it's set within the sandwich of the clear um, resin. So you lay, when they lay it, they, lay, they have a, t a casting table and they have a little edge the shape of the. and, and they're working at about this height. They lay the liquid resin and then they lay the carbon fibre, they sort of pull it with a loom, so they roll it out from one end, pull it out, stretch it, clamp it, then they pour the wet so material. It's into that yep, and then and then they and then it's troweled off with, with spatulas by hand. So they, that's quite quite ba quite basic skills. Yeah, it's enclosed. I don't think we've got any
You just glued everything. They're carbon fibre too. So. I think carbon fibre is what airplane wings are made out of. The new ones, yeah. yeah. So that's, um, how, that's how strong it is. 787. It's down the bottom. No, we've got isolation. So. Well, in theory, where, where the carbon fibre hits the steel here, so the black circle is steel that you drop into, and there's a there's a, um, a rubber plastic um, washer between the two to isolate it, which should should stop the connection between the two and so on. And Amanda was sort of keen for them to move. Yeah, we should experiment. The, the outer ones do move because they're supposed to move in the wind. They do break if it's if it's a strong wind. They do. Yeah, they. they but. Well, how much wind? That was the dilemma when we were designing it and working on it. Was you, know, you, want to, you want it to sway in the wind, which means it sways in one mile an hour wind and it blows away in <laughs> 50 kilometre an hour wind. So, so there was a lot of debate about sort of what wind you were actually designing to. And, and then progressively as the design sort of evolved, people, um, these, the, the larger ones became interconnected with each other and that concept we needed to overlap them so that it was a, a roof without too many holes for rain. And as we and the more we joined it together, the more rigid it became. So it's really, it's really quite rigid. We can get it going, but it's, so I mean we've had we've had some hundred kilometre hour rings since it's been up, and and the outer ones sway beautifully. So if you want to see it the way it was intended, come when there's a gale. <laughs> Just talking about moving in the wind, we use the Verbena bonarensis, which is the flower that's coming up. You can see because that moves the same way as the, as, the, as, the, as the petals do in the wind. And because of that connection with the Botanica, we also, um, Paul got involved this time, um, some 25 years later. And, um, and uh, um, the, the, the garden beds along here, which were historically in the park, and I suppose would have been in the in the sort of Edwardian period. Would have Victorian. Been, uh, 1905. So uh, just yeah. just out. Just out. Yeah. yeah. So we have Victorian Edwardian yeah. sort of period. They would have been. They were all annuals. They were all annuals. So those season annuals, they were there. They were divided up into rectangles, but they still partly are. And they lined the path, and they were always traditionally planted with with annuals, which is quite labour intensive. They could be replaced twice a year, and you know take a lot of work and deadheading. So. We convinced the council to replace this lovely herbaceous border and we joined some of the beds together. Our aim was to join all the beds together, which we didn't quite achieve, but hopefully we've got one. four years now. We've got four years. So yes, year one year one we planted herbaceous borders. Year two, oh no, we extended the borders. We did, yeah. We joined some of them together too, because Paul was keen yeah. to make to get the volume. Yeah. We wanted to get them to go to the pathway and not be surrounded by grass, but we struggled with that one and didn't didn't win that battle, but there's still time. Um, Amanda also, with the design, was very keen for this pavilion to sort of move into the garden and be part of the garden. And so part of the design were garden beds. And so uh, Paul then introduced the yeah. salvia. The salvia and amorosa, which we've got in the garden bed. So it sort of carries it through. And then the verbena to sort of emulate the, the, the petals. That and what did they call that? Verbena, verbena, verbena. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the difference between the Sean Godson. What are they called? The Bina Bonarensis. Yeah. Ah, okay. And then this year, the, the, other, the other advance was that the, 
hammer thrower or what's called wayfarer, the funny statue of the man throwing the, the ball. Um, it previously had some rather unpleasant jade, jade plants yeah. and <laughs> cactus in the mode. Cactus in the mode and yeah. or and oh, what was the other one? Sacred bamboo. Oh, your Nandina. Mandita yeah. Domestica. Yeah. yeah. And so this year we've got the the moat back. Um, the the um, water irises in there, um, salvia the ro and the rosemary. rosemary. Yeah. So gradually, we're improving the garden. And Angie and the uh, Scam Foundation very kindly have helped us with those planting. So thank you, Angie. <laughs> Um, four years to go, Anne. <laughs> <laughs> yes, did you know it was four years? <laughs> and your friend Martin Foley wants it to be six. So I should also introduce Sam, Sam Redston. And Sam worked also worked on the project. And what was nice with the project was obviously it was a British architect, but we really wanted there to be a connection with um, you know with Australia so and Amanda is also as an architect love really enjoys collaborating with people so she really enjoyed um, meeting Paul Paul visited her studio and they talked about what they would do with the planning point of view um, Kane construction we had meetings virtually every two weeks via uh, a, a conference Skype, Skype yep. um, with the engineers and here and there and the architectural team um, Sam Redston who manages the project and, 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 and keeps it looking beautiful. Um, also was involved from a te technical point of view in how we would do sound. Uh, we haven't got speakers at the moment because hopefully the sound's okay, but um, there are speakers in the garden beds. The funny green, the little green look like little seats. They're actually speakers. So when we've got music here or we've got larger groups, that acts as the, the sound. Um, Amanda was keen for the building to actually be connected to microphones and sort of make sounds with the wind, but that's sort of... Well, we had, there were, as we worked through that technically, um, it became clear it was possible to do it, but uh, it, we're in a good part and we realised we were encouraging people to shake the building. Yeah. <laughs> um, and as we experimented with it in the prototype, sound quality was okay, it was pretty quiet, um, and we saw there was some potential to do it. Then we worked through the operation of the, the space, and we worked through our risk assessments, and everything from steps to, to um, security and everything. Um, it became clear that actually it was the wrong thing to ask people to do, to, to give them a cause to shake the building. Yeah. Um, and to well, perhaps the climate change. They had that at the BMRL this year, the yep. I think Danish people, or, yeah, and they had the sound, if you walked underneath it, and it reverberated yeah. and made and so I think in certain circumstances it would be wonderful. Yes. And, um, exactly. That was an enclosed building. That's right. And, and, and that's where that was one of those few times, I hope it was a few times, where there was constraint like that. But in a different way, uh, the same course with Paul's Gardens has changed um, the whole dynamic for our operational team. So we have to walk the garden every day, every single day. And if the grass doesn't lie. <laughs> then say that nicely. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pleasure. Between Robert weeding and um, pruning. If you, miss, if you miss a day or two, the grass goes yellow. <laughs> yeah, the pressure to the grass goes yellow. But we used to have sprinklers last year. We, all that was done by gardens, and we had our building, and there was less integration between us and the garden management. We all got to know each other last year. And so this year, we went into it hand in hand. 
Yeah. And they said, please don't book us because we need a water Because they always come on at the wrong time. They flood yes, the place. Yes. Um, and we promised a water to look after the flowers anyway. Yeah. Um, and that's become, it, it's, it's woven us into the yeah. path life. Yeah. It's oh, been really great. good. But and I think that's what Amanda wanted to happen. Yeah. Like, you know, Sean's was very sort of cubist. Yeah. Yeah. Shut, yeah. shut yeah. out the garden. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Amanda wanted to bring the garden right into very the very structure. So, yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I think what's lovely about the building is, uh, it's as a piece of architecture, a lot of architecture uh, is a graphic or just is, you know, you get the impression of what the building is and it's very, it's built for, to be photographed from the outside. Um, this you have to come into to really experience the building because from the outside it almost disappears. It's just the floor, the poles and the roof. And then when you get in, you sort of get all this lovely patterning um, and at night um, it's lit and that was another project that Sam worked on. Amanda was keen for the building to have another life so yes it has it responds to the light and how light changes but at night when it got dark that there would be a lighting um, program for it um, and so uh, Sam came up with uh, these sort of LED halos. Yeah the, um, the initial design from ALA uh, referred to a halo, but it's a very high-tech device with this, like, the solar panels on the top that were charge the battery and the whole thing, and it looked beautiful and growing. And as we started working out how to make it, it's like, actually, you can't fit that there, then that pin can't go through, and, and we have fibre optics, and we, and we experimented with all of that. It was uh, quite a fun process to um, get some fibre optics, and some of it, when you break it um, and shatter the fibre optic, um, it be very beautiful, but we just couldn't get enough light to, to hit it bright enough. Um, we don't have much power here either. Um, but from that starting point, we worked with Blue a local lighting designer, who just create, after a lot of work, a very simple solution. We looked at lots of complicated solutions. We've got colour changing LED, we could run video ripples to the whole thing. Um, and when we experimented with that with the prototype, it became clear that that wasn't at all what we wanted to design the setting. Um, we had um, Alex Baldwin here from ALA, and we showed him colour, we showed him white, and white looked better. Um, so we ended up with um, uh, these things that we call halos. That sort of language came in early as we were trying to collaborate over the phone. Um, just rings of LED light that's at the top of every single pole. And each one's individually controllable, each pole. So we can pulse through. Um, and then some spotlights on the poles on the side just to splash the color across. And these discs take light. Um, a bit like you might see. Are they yeah, so you can't see, the, and that was, and all these things, like, we had to fit, like, by the time lighting has been talked about, all the dimensions are set, and we had to fit a gap like this, which is the smallest gap, the, at the smallest size they could slice the acrylic to make the waterproof enclosure. Um, and we had to fit on the top plate of this disc, so it couldn't be any bigger than that black circular element at the top, the capital element, um, so that it didn't look like it was coming out. Um, and so then, you know, we worry about it having enough light and so on. You can read quite at night when they're on board. So, um, but the light across the top, the coloured floodlights, that gets absorbed by the, um, by, by the petals. So at the beginning of the sunset ritual, when the sun's just gone down, you see an orange glow up, uh, through, in, through the roof and uh, you get a sense of it. The music's beautiful. The music's going for a straight away. The uh, percussion piece is quite, um, quite lovely. And then, um, over the just like 22 minutes of runs, it's called the gloaming. Um, over that period of the gloaming period, as, as it goes from the sunset into dusk, um, the lights take over and then they get left in state late in the evening. But by the end of that 
blooming picks, um, all the petals are taking light really, really well because the sun's finally ebbed away. Um, so they take light beautifully, incredibly. So yes, so every night at sunset you can come and see that. And that was also, Naomi commissioned a, uh, a percussion group called Speak Percussion who did this piece of percussion, percussion piece, um, which went and then the lighting was done with it. So hopefully John Truscott would like the theatrical qualities oh, yeah, of the building thing, yeah. and both and the horticultural part. Yeah. I think the integration is the most interesting piece and the learning from last year maybe moving into this year is that yeah. it's all feeling much more Yeah. It's easier to use in that way as well and enjoy. Yes, although, of course, Amanda said to Naomi, oh, well, you know, I'm not, well, there were, it was obvious there were no walls. So then, of course, this is, as a, as a visitor to Melbourne, you know that this weather is always like this. <laughs> um, unfortunately, Amanda had only been, Amanda's been to Melbourne three times and she's never seen rain. Well, no, we, we never see rain in Melbourne anyway. For the launch, We're incredibly lucky. Yes. But there are no walls. So, yeah. in terms of a wet weather contingency, blankets. there are blankets and there are ponchos, but yeah. there is not much else because yeah. you can't do anything else. So, yeah. and it's, and, but in some respects, it, it is what it is. It's a building which is in a garden. It's like a bandstand. It is something that you, it's not air conditioned. It's not hermetically sealed. So you respond to it. You have to wear a jumper or a cardigan or, or not come. <laughs> so yeah, um, should we have a little wander in the garden? Would you like to have a little walk yeah. and show us yeah. some of the other plants? Or mm -hmm. Are there any other questions before we go? I think we sort of solved most of the challenges along the way, yeah. progressively, so it's sort of nothing, nothing bottlenecked is sort of one big challenge that held us. I, I think, look, I think communicating with London was probably the most challenging part ongoing, yeah. you know, just the, the whole the process. I mean, I think the, the process of this was, was harder to get there and it, it was a, a bit hit and miss at times knowing what, what, they, what they wanted and I think we we, we sort of, it, it was certainly harder for not having face-to-face -face contact from early in the beginning. And, and I think you know, you know, we did a lot of, a lot of we, we tried to use a lot of Skype and it was always audio only. We never, we never quite got video working, so we never, we never actually knew who we were talking to in, in London until they turned up when we'd made it. And <laughs> so that was a bit of a surprise to both of us. They, you know, also they were smaller and nicer than we thought. <laughs> um, but um, and, I, and I think that yeah. So I, I think and when you when you're sort of trying to work together with people and, and build something that they've got in their head and you know there was there was there was a lot of drawing and modelling and 3D modelling and that all all sort of worked very well. But yeah, you know, we'd we'd draw something and they would draw something and we could all see what it was. But two weeks later we'd we both we hadn't quite got to the point of what we were trying to express and. You know, we spent a lot of time on this. Try, you know, the one requirement was that it's that it's a, it's a, it is a building, and the and the buildings are about enclosure. And the, the walls weren't going to be enclosed, but the, the it had to have a roof. And this was originally not going to be a roof; it was going to be a series of leaves. Yeah. And, and then we and, and the original concept, you know, changed quite a lot, essentially to make it waterproof. Mm. Oh, no, it's not quite waterproof yet, but well, make it yeah, rainproof, right. showerproof. So 
and, so and the form, the final, what, what you see here was really to achieve that versus what was originally drawn, and, and it was quite strange because Amanda's Amanda's architects didn't really quite get that for quite a long time. So you know, we, we, we're saying something we thought was quite fundamental because we'd had the discussion with Naomi and Robert and Sam early on the last pavilion that you know, this is all you know the fundamental was you can hold things here you know, that had to be uh, waterproof and, and it just wasn't and they couldn't see it and all, for all the 3D drawing that they were doing they couldn't see it yes. we were sitting here and kept repeating it and then you know so I think that from our point of view that was the hardest problem to solve because yeah. it was it was was for us the, as builders that's the most fundamental problem because you know at the end of the day we don't get any no one talks to us about you know, what our you know, we don't have any contribution to the architecture and, and, and you know, 90 percent of what we do wrong in buildings is as we leave them behind leaking because the architects design them wrong of course <laughs> not because we <laughs> so i think that was for us the hardest thing to get so right that was solved with local collaboration yeah so we we ended up we ended up we ended up getting a draftsman here to redraw on our behalf so we had arabs we had um ALA and then we had cane draft, cane modelling so so we could at least redo our 3D model and send it back to them and show them and show them what was wrong but but you know we, 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 we sort of solved the problem well, we, we, we solved the problem in a meeting room on a, you know, a Tuesday night with sort of 20 pieces of paper and just sort of laid them as tiles tiles over each other you know and just said well this is how you lay a shingle roof treat it like that but we all saw it the guys in London couldn't see it, so they didn't. Have to, so it was a month, two months later, before they actually understood the, the point we were making. And when you're under it, it seems quite flat, but it does actually drop down. If you go up onto the onto the mound where the palm trees are, you can sort of see it, it's it's sort of layering down and coming from that side. Um, and it's a meter or more. Yeah, it's about a meter. Four. And, and we spend a lot of time worrying about the wind, and it does get cool with the wind. But effectively, and there were screens that we went went through the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were going to build screens, and there were perspex things, and blah 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 blah. And um, I think at some point they did put doors for the pers clear pers perspex doors on the little cabinet to create some extra wind, which was ridiculous. And so they disappeared after day day two. Um, but you know, hey, I think for a builder that was a really good. There was a. In building, we, talk, we, we sort of always, by the time we're involved in projects, budget's always a big issue. And I think that I think this, the, the Perspex screens was a really good result of not having enough money to mm. solve a problem. Because mm. you know, we, we, we'd, have, we'd, we'd have had them if we could afford them, and I think they would have not, not they might have been useful, but they wouldn't have looked, they would have no, detracted, they have totally detracted from yeah. it. And a characteristic of this whole project is when you're, when you're fighting an element that hard, you have to do a judo move and stop fighting. Yeah. It's, in fact, it's not a weakness. Yeah. Um, and I think that not having it hasn't been. Well, if you're not complaining, no. you've got to live with it, don't you? Yeah. Okay, so why don't we go for a little walk yeah. and look at the plants?